Hello and welcome back to the GA and Gym podcast. My name is Oshin Quinn and I'm excited to be back at it with the podcast and I'm hoping this will be the start of a few more episodes over the next few months. So on episode 29 we have Sam Portland. Sam Portland is a speed coach from England. Sam's worked with some big teams over in England, namely Wasps and a number of other rugby clubs. But more recently, he's been working in the one-to-one space or individual clients. So um, he's worked with a number of kind of NFL athletes, one being Alex Gray, who was at the Atlanta Falcons. Um, and he posted a lot of his training, um, which I'm sure you might find if you follow uh, Sam. Sam's got a wealth of experience, been in the game a long time. So it was really good to get to chat to him and... Um, what kind of inspired this podcast was we're running the sports speed seminar out of the gym here in Derry um, on November 27th, which I'm really excited for. It's the first time I'm hosting a, a seminar out of the gym and Sam's going to be running it. Um, so we wanted to do this podcast just to give an opportunity to tell a wee bit more about the seminar, but then also just to chat about speed training. So talking about some of the biggest mistakes that we see, talking about how to sort of make some improvements in your speed training and maybe things that you just haven't thought about or haven't been um, implementing in. So hopefully there'll be a few nuggets of wisdom here for you and things you can add into your own training. And then you get a bit, a bit, a bit of an explanation on the seminar and what you're going to get back from it. So I'm really excited to um, have Sam Portland on the podcast. Okay, Sam, good to have you on the podcast. So nice. um, just to give a bit of a, a background to maybe people that um, haven't sort of seen your work, do you want to maybe um, give a bit of info on yourself? Yeah, yeah. Um... Well, yeah, people don't know me. Sam Portland, nice to meet you. How you doing? Um, I am uh, currently now uh, operate more as a as a speed specialist for team sports and a coach educator and mentor. Um, background, you know, the, the the sob story is that I broke my leg when I was nineteen trying to be a professional rugby player, and my world fell apart. Um, the true reality of it is I was never good enough to play professional rugby. Physically, good enough technically not good enough so um i i then essentially that was my gateway into rehab and gateway into to to snc because like previous to that i needed to put on weight and i got put under the wing of a old england player and he he i put on what was it two stone in eight months by doing weights in a circuit format on resistance machines every week Right. And I just lumped up because I was 17 and, and yeah. I had this huge, huge thing. It was like, you shouldn't do resistance. Machine. I was jacked. Like I just got big and, and I was yeah. athletic anyway. So it filled me out. But then I yeah, broke my leg, had to rehab myself because um, the NHS and, and did it terribly, but got myself back playing enough um, and then went to uni Ended up getting an internship at Wasps and, and when the Wasps first team, then uh, moved over to a team in the championship, Ealing, then got fired there, um, as everyone does in professional sport. Um, and then I uh, ended up working with some guys in the NFL, main, namely Alex Gray, who was at Atlanta Falcons. Yeah. Turned that guy in, uh, what was he, 115 kilos, six foot six, and ran over 10 meters per second. Um, and, and yeah, did some stuff with Kenya Sevens, which I found out about when I was in a hot tub that I bought that day. Um, went back to work with London Scottish, and I was there for two weeks and resigned because it was just bad. And, yeah, that's basically, in a nutshell, I've got my certification coming to your place yeah. in November. Um 
Yeah, and that's basically it. I try to sort of smash it in there. You've kind of like gone the full circle with everything, haven't you? Like there's been the old, like your individual playing, individual coaching, team yeah. stuff. Like you've kind of went around all of it. But I think like it's funny whenever you sort of talk to other coaches, so many have been to that journey of either they've been a field player or they've been injured. And you, it nearly seems like, nearly seems like a lot of coaches are actually better for going through all that, like, aren't they? Yeah, absolutely. And I talk, you know, I'm massively into um, my personal development and self self development, um, spirituality. And, you know, it really dawned on me, I spoke about this a little while back, is that that failed player mantra, uh, what's the next best thing going to coach, right? But you, you always like the expectation then gets like that reality gets shattered when you're you then start imparting your own journey into someone else's and you you then try to replace what you gained from playing by coaching you can't do it you never do it and then that's why like and then snc coaches start telling themselves a lie that they're just here to help people no you're not you're here to help yourself and And, it, and so, yeah, it does really it does really help going through that journey. And, and if I'm completely honest, I mean, in my whole professional team career, I only did about four or five match days over the span of nearly 10 years because I was yeah. playing. I was playing rugby on the weekends yeah. and I negotiated it into my contracts. And, you know, when I was at Wasps, those lads are playing in the Premiership on Saturday. I'm playing in National 2. We've both got a game. Yeah. Oh, you better fucking buck your ideas up, mate. We're going to play on Saturday. And that in that's what for me kind of led me into understanding team sport speed the most because I was yeah. playing. And I played on the wing and you know, I've I've I personally I'll, I'll I'll drop it. I've broke one six over ten and I've ran over ten meters per second. So I've got my KPIs, I've done it. Yeah. But also like the it's not just about that like you know in the in the field of preparation i'm going off on one i'll let you talk in a minute but in the field of preparation like in team sports you've got this line right all your physical qualities uh end with maximal speed expression and speed performance then you've got a line then you've got game preparation okay then then you have match play so we we do a lot of stuff and we test a lot of stuff in straight line we assess a lot of like simple yeah. simple metrics to understand where the where the biomotor output is to then put it into context because uh, like playing i knew what gear i needed to be when i was running an outside arc when i was sitting off a faded pass you know you'll have it in in gaelic when they when they're looping over the top or it's a flat short yeah. ball like you know the speed that you need to hit and you know the sensation of where you can find it as opposed to when you're running hard and flat and you're trying to truck someone like you know the difference of what it feels and you know the time and space that's why anytime i see someone doing a change of direction drill and the person's doing something a meter in front of them i was like the coach has never changed direction in front of someone before yeah i i think that's it like i think that kind of gives you nearly a better understanding whenever you're like, even when you're doing change of direction work, agility work, if you can kind of mesh it into the gameplay stuff, because it's, it does sort of seem like a lot of times it's so far away from what an actual game is like that you, you just struggle to see where the, the transfer is like. Yeah. 
Yeah, mate. And, you know, I, um, every, every strength coach has got super training, right? And none of them have read it because there's, there's some really wonderful things in there and especially special strength training manual for coaches from Vakshansky. And I saw Natalia speak um, in 2012 and she put out this wonderful graph and it, uh, uh, across uh, X and Y axis and you've got this one straight line comes low to high about halfway across the, um, the uh, Y axis and it's physical preparation. Uh, and then you've got from the bottom left-hand corner up to the right, a slope, and they never intersect, right? And that's motor skill, yeah. all right? And so when when we're talking, you, you've seen this in the certification, right? So, so when we're looking at that simple diagram, you, you know, therein lies the path of progression, of transfer of training. Most athletes are strong enough. They're just not good enough, <laughs> And in in a, in a, and I say it in like a nice way, and if a coach listens to go, fuck, you know that's not that's not fair. Well, like the system itself proves it because when we go through and take an athlete through, and I've done this with hundreds of athletes now, um, and and to even to the fact, right, even to the point that I never coached this athlete in person, and we put twelve percent on his maximum velocity in inside 12 weeks okay 12 percent, and that's going from 9.1 to 9.88 meters per second in season because when you understand how the system implements itself it addresses the balance of transfer between motor skill and physical output understanding that most athletes are strong enough anyway they just don't know how to put one foot in front of the other so when you're blocking, as you get closer to the line of physical preparation, then contextually it can come into gameplay, right? It can come into scenario. But if I've got a guy who can't cut off his left or his right or doesn't have the physical capacity to do three sets of 10 uh, open step uh, wall drills, we've got hope in hell when we're outside. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's where that blends. Yeah. And you teach your athletes. And I love what you said there because it does get lost. But you had to teach your athletes to know the process and know the system. And when they start to understand the system, it's like you've got the um, perceptual realization, which is basically something that I made up that basically means that the, 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 an athlete can understand the perceived um, benefit of a closed, stable drill, such as a wall drill, and they, they understand it in an open setting. So the, 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 the perception of that drill has been realized to be important. When you do that, it's endless. Yeah, I think that's it. I think like if you're kind of, I suppose, summarizing that and keeping it, like it's really you have to have those physical qualities, but then it's trying to make it contextual to the sport you're playing. So for people, probably people that are listening, like it isn't just as simple as going out and doing you know, a Gaelic drill and it isn't just as simple as doing a sprint that's trying to get a combination of both isn't it and learning how they both sort of connect yeah and earning the right and that that's yeah. the thing like earn the right like if because it, again it's that waterfall effect of maximal output and, and like if I if I've got you know some of the I'm working with an American football at the moment it's a lineman right like we're working we're chasing four steps we're chasing four steps forward and we're going to keep chasing those four steps forward before we yeah. can even do any of the backward stuff because it comes back down to the physics. It comes back down. like And what people f like, it, what is difficult to kind of get into your head, unless you've really done 
unless you've really learned to push out hard, your body goes into shock and doesn't know what it's doing, right? That's why we have this yeah. stumble reflex and all that sort of stuff in play. But that's why it's there protected. But you have to override it. You have to push harder to get through it. And so if I've got an athlete that can only run for a given weight, like one eight over 10 meters, we're not doing, we're doing nothing contextual because it yeah. doesn't need. Yeah. But, and, it, and it's the, as soon as you start adding in, there's a really cool study the difference between trained and untrained sprinters and the definition of trained was very loose, but that the people are actually more proprioceptive uh, and aware of technical. They have conscious competence of what the task demands is versus unconscious incompetent. So they're basically the guys that were really good uh, and they knew what they were doing from a technical speed point of view were put in different scenarios and they actually performed uh, closer to optimal than the guys that didn't so yeah. it doesn't um, so what for me it says it's like if you can't run in a straight line for 10 meters technically well enough don't bother putting a ball in your hand yeah because yeah. it just it compounds your problem have you seen many athletes you know on the amateur rugby level or on that pro level that first day you go out and see them they sprint technically well or is most athletes like are you having to do a lot of work on that initial level where there's very few technically are good where you can just get into the motor skill side of things or is it always working in the physical output with nearly everybody a couple namely yeah. the, the big one tom barndell um oh. pure racehorse like it was there there was you could do work like there was there's there's always windows um but again it comes back to the history like the athlete's history where it's not and it, again it's it, it's if someone can produce a one six five, for example, but is it any good? Does it does yeah. it serve them? Does that one six five over ten lend into a, a two meter twenty, a, um, a sub two five twenty? Because is it a one six five and then ends up at a three three second twenty? Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what yeah. I mean? Like what does yeah. it turn into? And and so that's one way you look at it. But also at the same time. We're looking for a common economy and efficiency. So, so, and and then also the underpinning of the the local muscle endurance and the 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 ability to be, for a given term, robust it, do, through the body segments. So that's kind of like the exercise classification side yeah. of things. Body length. It's like if anyone's torn a hamstring, you don't just fix your hamstring and it get everything gets better the whole kinematic chain is compromised. Yeah. So yeah. a lot of athletes that can run fast have not, are uh, a fast Gaelic players or fast footballers, but they're not um, prepared sprinters. They're still what classifies a low skill sprinter. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I had some questions from followers. I kind of, I guess probably ones really the gem, really the field. I wanted to kind of throw a few of them at you. Um, yeah. So you know, one of the first ones was when we're kind of just working on the gym. So like a lot of Gaelic players hurlers will be going into the gym now for the off season yeah. and they're looking to get faster, not overly concerned about getting bigger and stronger. Like where, where do you start with that? What's the kind of key areas that you would be looking at? Yeah, it's a great question because it's a real reality of the situation. Like let's be honest, not many sunny days where you are as well. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. so a lot of the stuff needs to be done inside. 
um and uh, and and i i want i'm i'm going on a mission i don't know how how well we'll do this but bigger stronger faster well, let's go faster stronger bigger let's reorder that situation let's yeah. let's let's do that right yeah. and um and so from that you just work from the top down and remember as i described there's that ceiling of maximal sprint output underneath it everything sits so the one thing that we do instead of and and what uh, a lot of coaches have been taught and this was the funniest thing when i released my first speed progressions manual because i was trying to find i was like what fucking order do you put this stuff in yeah. like does it is there any research resource there was no resource on the on the uh the internet that kind of gave you a logical order or told you what an a skip was for versus uh a b skip versus an a run or an a switch no one had a bloody clue so i kind of put that together and and what that does is it serves that purpose of being able to re um reclassify these exercises because they're not just warm-up drills they're physical preparation drills yeah. running drills are discrete means of plyometrics uh your wall drills can be a variation of you know our kneeling the one that people love the most is the kneeling uh hip projection so kneeling wall projections you stand in front yeah. of the wall bomb we get guys doing three steps into that like because it's about uh -huh. level changing overcoming inertia and accelerating and all, all those sorts of things so those things become what you would call or class specialized preparatory exercises mm. so then what they do in your in your training session you do your warm-up they do all your fancy stuff then you do your discrete plyos which would be your running drills then you do your specialized preparatory exercises like those then you go into what you do is like your ballistic so some of your, your maybe your um med ball throws trap bar jumps or your extensive versions probably yeah extensive in the off season definitely then you hit your strength work and then you, you know, wash your hand and go home. Yeah. That's basically how you, how I would do it. That's how we do it online and, and, and with all of our athletes, because it's about free, the biggest problem for, for athletes is not getting enough speed. But the biggest problem is actually holistically, no one's preparing them to run fast. Yeah. I, you know, it's people go through maybe a three months preseason and, they'll not make any shapes similar to, to running in that period of time, but at least doing those or special preparatory exercises, you're starting to get that and you're starting to create some of them shapes. You start to want to hit whenever you do get out. I had, I had some lad that wanted to, he came and worked with me and he was like, I just want to do some of your speed stuff. And like, this is the time I want to get fast. And I was like, cool. It's a coach and everything. Never got faster. Never did not change in over a year. Why too much gym interference yeah who's going into the gym and actually like removing and down regulating his system so it's like you go in the difference between like intermuscular recruitment is like huge so if you're going and you, you're complementing your ballistic work like that extensive type stuff you can hit your strength stuff right because yeah. it all sits in that bucket but if you're working towards like your heavy pulley stuff or heavy sled stuff well guess what that's your strength dose. You're fucked by the end yeah. of it. <laughs> like if I'm completely honest, don't mean to swear, but that's what you are. So you, why put yourself in, in a bigger hole? Yeah. My, when I had Alex Gray, when we were doing his NFL stuff, you know, his first block was six thirty. You do his, his technical acceleration stuff. Then it was six thirties on a prowler pulley heavy. Mm. Came back in, 
one to two sets of maybe three gym exercises lower body that was it yeah like prioritize what's important this like this is a kind of journey i've been on this year as well because um like with my own gear like i've actually probably done less less gym training this particular end season in any other year yeah and i feel so much better for it i'm getting less yeah. injuries but I, you can't you can't say that like you know so it's it's a weird thing where you, once <laughs> especially you when you own that, a gym i know fucking hell it's like the worst promo <laughs> but it's like you, you, you sort of realize like it's it's not i think we're in the mindset that you have to be working really hard and you have to be busted yeah. but it's it's working softer isn't it or something like it's just it's trying to keep yourself yeah. in that just optimal zone yeah no exactly and that's what i like about you as well because you still play like you've, you've got the heartbeat yeah. for for performance and you know as i said before it's, some people it's just a bit of a cop out i'm a coach and i play anymore it's like talk to your fucking beer belly mate you know and um <laughs> and so so the um so so yeah with that it's kind of knowing what you need and and knowing how it all fits together like and and what what People need measurables. Yeah. That's the biggest thing. And the easiest thing a gym can provide is a measurable. You know, yeah, when I like, when I um, recently had a conversation with um, Catapults and we've spoke about with the, yeah. with the Catapult One unit, it's like now we can put measurables in people's pockets very yeah. easily that we can start changing the way speed is coached because there's something you can go and get your dopamine hit. Oh, mm-hmm. I did this, this and this. Like, it's supportive. Um, yeah. Whereas, you know, put an extra 2.5 kilo on the bar and it's like, you know, everyone's winning the bloody world championship. It's that's two and a half kilos. Like means nothing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So kind of like on top of that, then if you had someone that said, right, I want to go out on the pitch next week and start doing field work, would you be doing, you know, would you do much different than that if you had that whole preseason to work on or would you just say, do the gym work, do those kind of um, wall drills, do those random mechanic drills, or would you say, let's go out in the, out in the pitch and start trying to express some speed? Yeah, so, uh, again, it all comes back down to the development of adaptive reserves. So, mm-hmm. like, for, for listeners, like, the adaptive reserve is, is essentially what people refer to as the base, but it's misunderstood. It's a bit misconstrued because... The issue is, is when you fail to create enough adaptive reserve, then you can't spike it well enough. So if you start going out and like, right, we need to start expressing speed, you're spiking out of a reserve. You, you've you not, ta- you've not built mm. for, you know? Yes, and okay, then also yeah. you've got, you know, as we know, our energy systems all work at the same time. Yes, I, I, do, I do get that because this is what someone's going to think, but you have a lactic adaptive reserves potential you have anaerobic glycolytic and you have aerobic adaptive reserve that you can tap into so you need to kind of understand and obviously the bigger picture is how the training ebbs and flows from day to day workout to workout rather than phase to phase because your aerobic adaptive reserve is going to allow recovery over time so the, the density of your training not just between sets but then your alactic adaptive reserve is actually going to allow you to what you can actually express at high outputs in session. Yeah. So then it's like, 
well, what do we do? Well, first and foremost, if you don't have the the, the local muscle endurance and develop, like using all those specialized preparatory exercises, special strength type work and specific strength, like if you're not even doing them and just sprinting, you're, you're a disservice because your body doesn't understand the motor regime because you're not giving it the opportunity to do it slow and to do it deliberately and express that force. Um, I had a prop. And we had we did a preseason stuff, four weeks, right? In four weeks, fifty meter bounce runs, fifty meter bounce runs. That what he did was warm up, and then that was his session. Why? Because he he really struggled with his vertical displacement. Um, he had some back injuries. He's a prop, right? Of course, he's going to have a back injury. Yeah. Um, really struggled with his vertical displacement. He was strong as an ox, anyway. Um, we knew that we weren't going to fix his displacement problem by trying to accelerate. We didn't have the tools, so we did bounce runs. And that, that for anyone that doesn't know, it's literally running up nice and tall and bouncing off the ground from step to step. So you're allowing a little bit more ankle and knee bend and a little bit displacement in the hip. So you're kind of absorbing it like a pogo. 50-meter yeah. bounce. That turned into maximal strength work for him Yeah. by the end of it, as you can imagine. Yeah. Four weeks later, runs 9.2 meters per second inside 40 meters. Yeah. I, I suppose like just like on those bounce runs, I remember, I can't remember if it was Alex and Tiro, one of those guys were saying about, you know, on a, on a sprint, three to five times your body weight's coming down on the sprint. So for yeah. that dude doing that with the higher jumps, it was probably heavier than any gym exercise he actually could have done at that time. Yeah, and that's why the you know um the speedgate golf system, that's yeah. why that is so effective because what it does is it interplays the um ground contact time, so it creates longer ground contact time than acceleration and running, but it creates more force than you can find in jump variations and greater speeds, but slower and um more technically efficient than you would do from punching out hard over 10, 15, 20 or whatever. So it intersects that window perfectly. It becomes sub-maximal specialized um, preparatory exercise. So it's one below the competition event um, and it fits above resisted running. Yeah. So it's, so it's, it's awesome. It works every time because it goes right back to that simple window of what describes people being strong but not very good at sprinting yeah do you think that you know pushing whenever you don't have that adaptive reserve there do you think that's the biggest mistake people would make whenever they're trying to get faster or what do you see is sort of the common thing do you always see yeah yeah fail to um make the body ready for sprinting Mm -hmm. You know, if, if, if an athlete like anyone that comes into my mental side of things, I give them my speed warm up, go and do this. Tell me how you feel. Do three sets of this. Come back. I've got tight hip flexors, tight calves, Mm -hmm. hamstrings are cramping. It's like, well, yeah, there you go. Yeah. And you want to, you want to run over nine meters per second. You can't warm up, mate. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, and I'm being obtuse on, on purpose. So hopefully people aren't listening go, that Londoners, sort him out. <laughs> no, nobody would be thinking that, don't worry. Um, so last question, and then chat a wee bit about the seminar. This oh, is kind yeah. of one more. I'm I'm wondering, like, 
what is a realistic improvement you can see on a you know GPS meters per second? Like if I'm rocking in at eight meters per second, is mm-hmm. it realistic I can get up over nine meters per second? Or you know, where do you see the ceiling on that? Oh, okay. So yeah, great question. It's one that I get asked all the time. So in the book, The Mechanics of Sprinting and Hurdling by Ralph Mann. What like one of the biggest the difference between genetically gifted people, which are like the the people that actually get into the Olympics and all those things, versus the non, so guys like us, right? The 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 number one contributing factor towards success is technique. So you'd say to me, if you're running in over eight meters per second now, do I think you can get over nine meters per second? Yeah. I reckon you can, because the thing is, what the next piece to that statement is for an eight, eight meters per second comes with a completely different set of problems to a nine meters per second problem. So right now, if someone's running eight meters per second, they're trying to address them with eight meters per second solutions. Mm -hmm. You need to find the nine meters per second solutions. And again, that goes goes back down to if you've never done it you don't know yeah and it it falls into that learn to sprint train to sprint sprint to compete sprint to win that's when you're actually going do you know what i'm sprinting to compete here we need to start looking at things a little bit more sophisticated we can actually use sprinting as a physical loading tool yeah so my answer is is yes yeah uh, that that's interesting. It, it's the technical side of things is nearly the most important for probably a majority of the people that are listening to this here. Yeah. So if you say max in the stable to unstable continuum, maximum velocity is the second most unstable condition we can be in behind assisted sprinting. So someone dragging you by on the back of a car, essentially. And if no one's ever done assisted sprinting, just give it a try, but warm up um just to just to feel what that feels like because it's like hell on earth um yeah and and so when you're trying to solve technical issues at top speed very difficult very difficult so that's when it's that's when you have to be just when you have to understand how you ramp loading that's why i don't really like force velocity profiling for sprinting because Mm -hmm. therefore you need to velocity profile every step which you can't do because per yeah. zone doesn't make sense. Yeah. So, yeah. So, got five minutes left. Why, for coaches, athletes, why are they going to come to the seminar on November twenty seventh? What would what would they get from it? So, obviously, to see you, they would get that, of course, um, of course, and. Um, but what what we're what we're aiming to do with here is give people the real insight and and show them how having sports speed system in their training program will work for their athletes mm-hmm. how easy it is to implement how and, and across and this is a system i've used with 50 athletes at one time okay how easy it is that you can implement this holistically across your whole training paradigm to allow you to actually do your job in coaching as opposed to wondering about what's the next step what's the next piece um you know i i always like a joke that i've got in my head is like how do you confuse a strength and conditioning coach 
well, ask him how much progress he can make with an athlete. Because there's too much information, isn't there? There's yeah, too much yeah. stuff. And there's nothing being brought together. And so yeah. this is this step. This is this category. This is how you do it. So on the on, on at the seminar, that's the name of the game. And that's the aim. And we're doing it in a different way that if you come and you have a question, you sit in the room and you don't come away with that answer, like then now I've not done my job because that's what we're doing with this. I'm so passionate about this that yeah. it is to it is to help people move the needle and 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 go these are all the training theories that i know but i only know them in isolation yeah this is how you put it together and this is yeah. the result that you get i think i said this to you in one of the initial calls was like the reason why i signed up for the certification was because it was a system like that's just the way i like things you do one you do two you do three and i think from a certification, that's what you get. And from the seminar, that's what you get. And as a coach, you get that system. But then even as an athlete as well, like you'll get what you really want is to learn how to run faster, you know, technically, but then to do the shit yourself and not depend on me or you, you know, you can start to implement it yourself. Like the system yeah, is just, that's what it's all about really. Like, yeah. And for some, and this is always my vision and my, my mission for this. I want, you know, a thousand coaches to end up going through the certification, yeah. but then deliver it in a thousand different ways. Yeah, because yeah. it's got bandwidth for your own identity in it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I'm looking forward. I think it's going to be a good day, and even just networking ways. We got a lot of good, good coaches coming down, people in the area. So mm. I'm looking forward to even just from that that aspect as well. Like, yeah, it's going to be amazing. And as you said, like, what was it, 2019? You came to my seminar yeah. in Belfast, and then yeah. you know this is what coaching is honestly all about: be able to go full circle, come back to Belfast, uh, well, yeah, and Derry, but come to your gym and, and help you within your network of coaches and athletes yeah. to keep moving again. Yeah. It's wonderful. Yeah, no, I love it. It's brilliant. Like, and it was a, it was a cool kind of thing for me looking back on it as well. Like, so um, hopefully there'll be another coach in there and three years down the line, it'll be the same, same story happening. Like, yeah, that man, that's the name of the game, right? Because yeah. what are we, you know, you're, and I look at this from a generational point of view of, of coaches. We just lost Louis Simmons, who's one of the, mm -hmm. the probably second generation coaches, really, behind yeah. some of the original. You know, we're, we're talking about third, fourth, you know, people here, fourth, fifth generation coaches, or, or maybe third as well, that will want to learn. And, yeah. and this is the name of the game now. Nothing's changed in the last 30 years. Yeah. that's the thing nothing's changed in the last 30 years we've learned so much it's got so spread now from terms of team sport speed development i feel it's kind of like i've taken the responsibility for myself is to help people put it all together and implement it in a way that, yeah. that allows them to go home and spend time with their families not yeah. not yeah. be slave to to all these other things and not get so distracted about what's next because they know what's coming and they can just coach and enjoy it and 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 do what you actually love, you know? Yeah, no, I think that's all we have time for now, Sam. I think it was brilliant. Um, any questions or anything I can put across to you and we'll get them, we'll get some of this out. But thanks again for coming on and we'll hopefully get another one soon again. Yeah, lovely. Thank you, mate. No, massively right. appreciate it.